This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. It is July the 12th. And, uh, well, it's, it's been getting hot lately, although I, I've been checking my weather map. It, it looks like it'll be getting, uh, you could say, cooling off a little bit next week, but we'll, we'll see. I feel like the weather uh, predictions have not been very good lately. We'll see, because I don't know the other day, I think it said up here in Cave Creek it was going to be around 107, 108, which is high, but it got to like 118. At least it, that's what it said in my van, and that's what it felt like. But anyway, oh man, it's warm. Stay cool, get in the pool, stay inside, drink some ice water or iced tea, and stay cool. School is uh, just around the corner. The summer camps this past uh, June were fantastic up at Copper Basin Bible Camp. There's a lot going on. And, of course, we're also worried about everything that is happening in not only our personal lives, but in the world. We see the country we we know is moving in the wrong direction yet again. And it's been doing that for a while. We we help it stop it just a little bit here and there, but it always seems to be pushing more and more away from God. But there is signs of hope. The fact that the... Supreme Court, uh, not too long ago, had uh, allowed us to have our religious freedoms back at public schools, which it needed to. Also, it sent the abortion uh, law, got rid of that on the federal level, sent it back to the states where it belonged. And uh, many, many good things. And I pray and I hope that the Lord will bless this country for the decisions that have been it's been making and for the direction it's trying to move in that it will that he will give us opportunity to to try to put some leaders back in place that will help guide our country into a more moral standard and a better focus upon family upon God. Let's pray and hope for that. Let's get into the lesson today. We're we're not going to look at Titus today. I'm, I'm taking a, a short little break from that. But let's take a look at Philippians chapter 1. Verses 27 to 30. How many, ta- how many times Excuse me. Have, have your mother or your father, how many times have they told you to act your age? Act your age, you know. Probably a lot, right? Have you, have you ever had them say, act your identity? <laughs> probably, probably not. But they probably did, just in a different way. You probably heard them make statements similar to this. When you're out there with your friends, I want you to act in a way that makes us proud. Or maybe, don't behave in a way that will bring shame on the family. Remember, you're a Macy. Don't tarnish the family name. Things of that nature. Well, as Paul wrote to the Philippians... That is the primary point he made at the end of his first chapter. He challenged them with these words at verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner 
worthy of the gospel of Christ. Basically, act your identity. Conduct yourself in a way that is consistent with who you are and what you are about. But it is impossible for us to conduct ourselves in such a way if we don't remember who we are. And it's easy to forget when you have all these distractions around you and you're so worried and busy by so many things in this life, you forget, we forget about these things. Notice a couple of key words in this, in this first verse. There, verse 27. That first key word is the word only. It comes from the Greek term monos, and it means, it means only. But it can be translated as just one thing. Basically, Paul was saying that this is the one thing I want you to focus on. You need to focus on this. The second key word is worthy. Literally, it is to even the beam. And it refers to balancing the scales so that both the sides are even. To live worthy of the gospel means to live so that your life gives proper weight to all that God has done for you in Christ. And then third, conduct. And the word conduct or live here, the word uh, Paul normally used for this kind of point is the one that means to walk, walk about like in Ephesians when he said, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. But rather than use that word, he used a term that you that literally means to be a citizen or to perform your duties as a citizen. If you were arrested for being a citizen of heaven, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would there be enough evidence to convict you? Christians should be living in such a way that there is no doubt that they are citizens of heaven. So Paul's plea to the Philippians and to you and me today is to remember who you are. Remember where your citizenship really is. And conduct yourself in a manner worthy of your true identity. And why is it important that we take this command so seriously? Well, unbelievers out there in the world draw conclusions about who Jesus is by the way you and I live our life. If salvation doesn't really make a difference in the way you and I live our lives, then why would they in the world take Jesus seriously? This was important for the first century Christian, and it continues to be important for the 21st century Christian. Our surrounding culture has become increasingly hostile toward biblical truths. So, in the verses that follow, Paul described some of the elements of worthy conduct that will help Christians have a greater impact on the watching world around us. Let's take a look at those. First up, we have worthy conduct includes being constant. Being constant. This is the second half of verse 27, Philippians chapter 1. Paul writes, So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. What did Paul expect that the Philippians would do? Well, he expected them to stand firm, to persevere, to be constant and consistent. The world is full of people who quit when the going gets tough, and they retreat when the battle heats up. Not Christians. No, we stand firm. 
Remember, a wise man once said to remember the postage stamp. It sticks to one thing until its job is done. Perseverance is certainly conduct that is worthy of the gospel. God will enable us to keep going, to stand firm, and to not shrink back. Whatever the challenge, whatever the difficulty, regardless of the persecution or the pain, we must simply remain by standing firm. And God is pleased, and he'll reward us if we are faithful to the end. Number two, worthy conduct includes being cooperative. Being cooperative. Okay, so, excuse me. We notice that worthy conduct is characterized by cooperation and unity. Often when people are under pressure, it is easy to lose sight of the importance of standing together and of being unified. Paul was aware of the tensions that had been rising up there in Philippi. I'm not talking about with the whole congregation, but you have those two ladies over in chapter 4. And so he talks about unity. He gets he brings it up here. He goes into it in chapter 2. And he talks about bringing those two ladies together in chapter 4. One of Satan's favorite tactics is to divide and conquer. You see, he knows that if he can get us fighting with one another in the church, then what happens to us? Well, we become weakened. We, we are made ineffective. We are made unproductive. So with this in mind, Paul called for unity, a togetherness and cooperation. He called for them to stand firm in one spirit. And then he envisioned them so unified that they are contending as one man. When we are truly working as a team, then there is great synchronization and power. Perhaps Paul envisioned an illustration from Roman warfare. You see, the Roman legions, they were renowned for their iron discipline. Often, when under attack, they would draw close together. They worked together. They were a unity. They were were one. So they could draw close together in this one small unit, and they would raise up those large shields and advance together as an impenetrable wall called the Roman Wedge. It takes both skill and cooperation to advance together as one man like that. For the church to be effective in any time or circumstance, we must work as a team. We must be willing to cooperate with one another. And so let's see, uh, let, let, let's let the world, I should say, let's let the world be a place where people quarrel and fight and divide. But let's have the church be a place where we contend as one. And so as citizens of heaven, Paul commands that we walk in a worthy manner by walking constantly and consistently and by walking cooperatively. And then third, Worthy conduct includes being confident. Let's look at verses 28 to 30. Paul writes, In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be, in me. Here we see that Paul called them to remain cool, confident, 
and courageous in the face of opposition. Paul told them not to be frightened in any way by those who oppose them. The word Paul used for frightened was used to describe a horse spooked you know, by the movement of bushes, and so it, it, it ri- ri- uh, rears up and runs away. Christians must not be like that. In times of crisis, others may be nervous or afraid, but not the Christian, or he or she should be serene. We need to be confident. Why and how can we remain that way, have that confidence, and have that courageousness in us at the time of crisis or conflict? How do we do that? Well, it's because we know the outcome of the battle, right? We know, or at least we should, know the end of the story. God wins. And if we are on God's side, then we win. It's like the difference of watching a live football game and watching a recorded version after the fact when you know the outcome. One of my favorite movies is Raiders of the Lost Ark with Harrison Ford. Remember that? He played Indiana Jones. Loved that movie. When I was a kid, the first time I saw that, I remember laying on the floor. You know, I was on my stomach. I had my, had my head propped up on my hands. I'm watching. And, oh, it was so exciting when they first showed him. And he had that whip, the hat, the, the jacket. And I thought, man, I would have looked like that guy. I would have been an archaeologist. That looks like fun. And then I began to worry when the, when that big trap the big uh, stone ball was rolling down after him i thought oh is he going to get out of there and he got out but then they stole that that item from him he didn't get to keep it oh but i was rooting for him it was just always on the edge of my seat and sweating by the end of the movie but oh indiana jones he won didn't he he won now i was anxious for him then but now when i watch the movie I'm not anxious at all. You see, I know exactly what's going to happen in all those dangerous situations because I know how it turns out in the end. Likewise, we know the end of the story and we know that Jesus is the victor. Our own personal story, true, it may be still being written, but if something should happen to us, we know where we are going. And so what is there to worry about? Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own. Focus on that and remember who you are. Remember who you are. Paul explained that when we live with confidence and courage, that we become a sign to the unbeliever. When the unbeliever sees that confidence and they see that courage in the face of difficulty and crisis and suffering, then they realize that we possess something They do not. You remember how amazed and perplexed Pilate was at the calm confidence of Jesus during his arrest and interrogation? When we know that we stand with God, then we know where we are going, and we can be calm and confident, even in the face of persecution. Paul wanted the Philippians and us to be prepared for opposition. Sooner or later, we are going to run into it, right? Opposition to the gospel reveals the spiritual reality that we are on the right track and that those who oppose us are on the wrong track. Our strong faith will act as a sign to them of what will occur at the end the destruction of Christ's opponents, and the salvation of believers. 
This is something that God will do through our faithfulness. If no one ever criticizes or ever opposes us, if we never make waves because of our faith, if everyone is happy with our Christian faith, maybe maybe then there might be something wrong, right? Maybe there's something wrong with our expression of our faith. Maybe some little red flag should be popping up for us. Those who walk worthy of the gospel are going to annoy the world. We won't be doing it on purpose, but it's going to happen because we stand as a rebuke of everything they stand for. When we say that Jesus is the the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him, they call us arrogant. When we say the Bible is the word of God, they call us ignorant. When we dare say that promiscuity, that adultery, and homosexual activity are sinful, what are we? Narrow-minded, judgmental bigots. We should be shut up, shouldn't be allowed to preach for haters, hate speech now is what they call it. And we ought to be re-educated. <laughs> and so it will go. We will annoy the world precisely because we are, what? Citizens of heaven. We live by different principles. So Paul's advice for us is, don't be afraid. Keep on keeping on for the Lord. People may not like our lives and message, but we can't let that stop us. And Paul ended this section by verifying the difficulty of this. He told them that they had been called not only to believe in Jesus, verse 29, but to suffer for him. You see, Paul reminded the Philippians of his own personal experience with suffering. They must have remembered what Paul suffered when he first visited their city. Remember that? If you had uh, read through uh, uh, Acts lately, he was flogged, that is, uh, uh, whipped and imprisoned. And even as he wrote them this letter, he wrote from imprisonment in Rome, arrested for preaching the good news. It is often helpful for us to realize that there are others who are fighting the same battle that you and I are. We're not alone in our struggles. Our difficulties are not unique. They are common. And when we suffer for Christ, we join the company of other Christians who have done so in the past and will do so in the future and are experiencing the same right here in the here and now, in the present. But whatever our circumstances, whether good, bad, easy, difficult, whatever they might be, we must conduct ourselves in a manner, what? Worthy of the gospel, as, a, as, as is suitable for citizens of heaven, of where we're from. And that's, this includes the three things we've discussed. First, worthy conduct includes being constant, standing firm and persevering. Worthy conduct includes being cooperative, being unified and working as a team. And worthy conduct includes being confident, being calm and courageous. But none of this is possible unless we draw upon our identity, that we act our identity. I know it's been a long while, but 
Do you remember the movie The Lion King? Uh, I guess at this point, uh, some people have never read or seen the movie The Lion King. But there was a part of that story when the boy lion named Simba had grown up and into manhood. He had, if you remember, he, he ran away from home after that devastating loss. He, he thought he had killed his own father. He did not. You know, his uh, uncle had made him think that he had. But, and his uncle's name was Scar. But when he had heard about the trouble after he had left home and grown up, after he had heard about the trouble back in his homeland, he wanted to return. He wanted to go back there and help, but what was wrong? He was reluctant, right? He felt defeated. You see, Simba was suffering from an identity crisis. And then uh, came along this silly yet wise baboon. And when he came along, he was singing this gibberish song. And Simba asked him, who are you? The baboon replied, the question is, who are you? Well, Simba looked down and he answered, well, I thought I knew, but now I'm not so sure. So the baboon began to sing his irritating gibberish song again. And it kept going until Simba finally calmed him down and asked, what, what did that mean? And the baboon replied, the song means you are a baboon and I am not. I think you're a little confused, responded Simba. But oh, the baboon quickly corrected him. Wrong! I am not the one who is confused. You don't even know who you are. Oh, and I suppose you know, asked Simba. I sure do. You are Mufasa's boy. Simba was shocked. And when the baboon ran away, Simba chased after him. Paul's basic message to them in Philippi and to us, remember who you are. Remember, you are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. Remember where your citizenship really is. When we realize and remember that we are children of God, citizens of heaven, then we realize that we have the resources of our Heavenly Father available to us. And those resources, based on our identity, will help us to stand firm and keep us from quitting. Those resources will help us to work together as God's family and fellow heavenly citizens. And those resources will help us to have faith and confidence in the face of opposition and suffering. All of this, all of it, is available to us as children of God. But we must... Remember who we are. And remember to take hold of them by faith so that we can act our identity and live a life worthy of our calling. And doesn't the world need to see this? That we do have a, a, an identity that was given to us. And, 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 and I hate to say this, but it's true, and I know you all know this too. But even as simple as I am a male, I'm a boy, I'm a man. There are girls there are boys. That is it. And we don't get to choose what we are in that sense. We don't get to choose that, you know what, I think I should follow the Muslim faith. I think I should do this. Well, we can choose for now, but in the end, that's going to take us to the same place everything else takes us 
away from God, which is hell. I don't want that for anyone. God doesn't want that for anyone. That's why he sent his son to bring many sons to glory, to give us an opportunity to choose him, to remember who we are, because we forgot. The world has forgotten who we are. America has forgotten who she is, but slowly she's being reminded. We can be that light to show them, here's why America was great. It wasn't because of any one man, but because we all, as one, put ourselves under the great God of heaven, and we submitted to his will. That is what makes this country great. That is what makes us great. Not if any greatness in us, but because of the greatness of God. So we humbled ourselves. The greatest leaders of all time have always been the humble leaders. Moses was a humble leader. So was David. Look at the Christ. George Washington, our first president, humble. Everyone wanted him to be king. He didn't want to be king. He was reluctant. He did it because of his love for God and for what this country could be. He saw the identity of the person of Christ in this country. It can be there again. But it starts with you and me. We come together to be part of that one new man. That is the Christ. And when we're all part of that, then the light shines. But you can only be part of that if you are baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins and have those sins washed away. Do you know about that? Do you want to know more about that? You can find out more from us here at the North Valley Congregation. Go to www.nvcoc.net. You can find out more there. You can find out this program and our previous programs, but our, our, our time is running out. Pray about this. Read God's Word. Look at the book of Acts and look at the instances of, of all of this, what it takes to be part of the kingdom. I'll be praying for you and let us redeem the time. Thank you and God bless. Sin enough to sweep away till Shaddam the better day. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. To hear this program again, go to FamilyValuesRadio1010.com and click on the podcast page and find this program and many others right there on FamilyValuesRadio1010.com.